Hey, it's Sardis of the Party. He's Billard, damn it. You saw Chronicles for Holes? Bears piece of meat? Missed the first time around? This time it's Bill's pick. He didn't miss it the first time around, but I happened to miss it the first time around. Yeah. And we fill our pop culture holes with Over the Garden Wall from Cartoon Network. Oh, uh, yeah, you're the one who pointed out that... I just po- I, I picked this just to make sure that we did it because I was in the mood to watch it uh, for the first time since it first came out. Uh, yeah, you pointed out that it first came out almost exactly five years ago this month. Uh, we're recording in uh, November 2019. It first debuted in November of 2014, I guess, if that's how math works. A little bit. And how much did you had you heard about this before seeing this? Pretty much just from you. Oh, okay. And that's... Twitter. Yeah, uh, I've never heard too many people talk about this outside of my own sphere of influence. And so I have no idea how popular this stuff was. It's it's, it's funny, because I got... Uh, I guess Dark Horse put out a um, Art of the Garden... Over the Garden Wall book a couple years ago. And I just got to reading it last night for the first time. And they talk about all these changes they had to make to the story to make it more tenable to, like, little kids. Because, you know, it's a fucking mm. cartoon airing on the Cartoon Network that's inspired by all these grim, dark horror stories. And I'm like, they're kind of like, I don't think enough kids, I don't think any kids have ever watched this thing. You could have just kept it dark and horror-ific and aimed it at adults. And aired it, like, on Adult Swim instead. I don't know what. Yeah. The, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the ratings were good. Maybe this was some kind of a success. But yeah, uh, as as much of and even then, when uh, people I know were talking about this when it first came out, it was mostly more for the style than the story necessarily. Mm. And there's not much story here. It's just a bunch of linked together little tales about these two kids lost in the woods and kind of the real big twist is at the end when you find out that they're from modern day and shit like that. But um, yeah. So what did you think? Yeah, it was awful, and I hated it. <laughs> it's a fucking stupid. What the fuck is I'm kind of curious to see what you think, because uh, it wasn't until reading the art book last night that I realized that most of this was made by uh, people who were uh, uh, huge parts of Adventure Time. And you've mm. seen all of Adventure Time, right? I still need to take in the last season. I have oh, a yeah? DVD, but I haven't yet. Okay, because yeah. you're, you're, the, you're the one who's always pushed me towards what, finishing up or watching more of Adventure Time, because I've only seen like the first two or three seasons. Uh, which doesn't sound like when you say I've only seen the first like two or three seasons of something that sounds like that should be a lot but for Adventure Time went on for so long that's actually not that much um, yeah. like I never really got to see anything with the Lich King or anything like that and well, my other reference for Over the Guard Wall was I forgot that I've my friend Steve Wolfhart uh, I know him mostly through the internet but I've hung out with him in real life and I actually went up to go uh, visit him and another friend up in Toronto when they were in animation school 20 years ago. And mm. he's the guy who, he wrote some of the episodes on this. He, like, I think he wrote and directed the first of the pilot episode of Our, Over the Garden Wall. And I've always meant to, like, reach out to him and ask him about his experiences on this thing. And he was actually, Steve Wolfhard actually wound up being a big part of Adventure Time. Uh, I think, didn't Penn Ward... Did he leave Adventure Time, or he, did he just kind of, like... Eventually, yeah. Yeah, I think Steve Wolfhart was one of the guys who not necessarily took over, but, like, uh, he was one of the three or four people that kind of stepped into Penn Ward's shoes to kind of oversee things at, as he went off to do, like, the, I guess the Bravest Warriors and shit like that, but... Um, so, but yeah, so I think I'm part of the reasons why I heard so much about Over the Garden Wall 2 was just because I knew it's someone who had worked on the show, and so just by following him online and the people he knew, I heard a lot about the show from those guys... Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's reasons why this wasn't like the biggest earth-shattering hit in the world, but I like it. I appreciate the kind of style experiment it was trying to be, though, um, because I've seen some people talk about how, oh, this is like a Tim Burton kind of thing. 
Like, uh, Fuck no, it isn't. No, Tim Burton's like fucking German expressionistic fucking Vincent Price bullshit. This is like Victorian colonial East Coast, slightly European tinged this... Dutch Pennsylvania fucking weirdness. Yeah. So you know how you play, let's say, Shovel Knight, and you're like, wow, it's just like an NES game, even though yeah. it's so much better than an NES game? Yeah. This movie, this I was about to call it a movie. This series is uh, kind of like the nostalgic, how you remember, or for me personally, how I remember watching like the Babes in Toyland and that kind of stuff, yeah. nostalgia-wise. I've it's, it feels like that, or like old-timey uh, Fleischer cartoons. Yeah, because you and I it are. Feels, so if, yes, it feels like that, but modernized, and you're like, oh, this this is how watching those old <laughs> cartoons is, but it's not. That, it's that's why I was almost kind of surprised when you told me you hadn't seen it when you first pointed out that. Uh, it was coming up on its fifth anniversary, but you hadn't seen it. I was kind of surprised because this is so old-timey, and you and I are both so much into old-timey shit. I was curious. I, aside from me, I've like I have not seen it since it first aired, so I was curious to go back and see if it held up for what I remember it being. But I was also curious to see like what it would be, what your opinions of it would be, seeing it for the first time after all this. Uh, I guess it hasn't been a long time. Five years isn't that long, but. Um, so yeah, and especially yeah, and like I said, it's targeting such a laser-specific pool of influences that don't get referenced in a lot of other stuff. A lot of, I mean, I guess like maybe with things like Cuphead. Uh, oh, mm -hmm. even then, Cuphead is only very specifically doing like 1930s cartoons. It's not like doing the old like McLaughlin Brothers like style kids books from like the 1800s that's also another big like it's it's a weird mix of influence in this thing you can't really nail nail over the garden wall into one specific influence or any one specific thing that's roughing off of but because even there's a little bit of the brothers grim in there there's all kinds of weird shit and and well also too because i'm from pennsylvania and so i'm kind of used to seeing a lot of the shit old-timey shit that's very specific regional to new england and the east coast and I don't know how much this plays to anyone, because you, yeah, you grew up in, 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 on the West Coast, you grew up in, in Oregon, and so I don't know how well, how much this plays to someone who didn't kind of grow, grow up with, like, I mean, harvest we dolls have, we and have, shit like that. We, well, I was, yeah, that, but we all, we have trees here, <laughs> and like, woods, It's not like being leaves. a kid lost in the woods is so unique to, yeah, it's like, it's shut up, I hate we all had porn woods that the porn was found in. Yeah, you all had Halloween. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's so yeah. I decided to pick this just to make sure we did it, just because I like I was feeling in the mood and stuff. And mm -hmm. and so, how did you want to tackle this? I don't. Did you take notes for all the episodes and stuff? A little bit, not yeah. too much. Um, we could just go through the the, the episodes. Well, the show's a little weird a little too because it's one. there's what there's I think there's technically there's ten episodes, but each episode's only like ten minutes long, and yeah. they're arranged in like six depending how how you watch it. It's raised it's it's arranged into like six episode, six like dual episode blah blah blah. Uh, it's well you it's funny that you mentioned this being a movie because it practically is. 
Yeah. Like, in terms of the length, it's like maybe a two hour and ten minute long movie if you just mash everything together, so. Oh, it's just funny because reading in the in the art book about the history of this thing, one of the original ideas was Cartoon Network was like, do you want to make a movie out of this? And the guy in charge of it was like, no, I don't think it would work as a movie. It would work best as a TV show because, you know, it's supposed to be designed to be so episodic. But it's funny because the, <laughs> what they eventually wound up making, like, in terms of the sheer length of it, it is a movie, but. Uh, it's probably yeah. more digestible having been broken down and did because if, if you try to make a movie that was this episodic that you that was designed to be watched in one two hour chunk would feel weird so yeah at least they didn't yeah. feel obligated to, to to take the story and like turn it into a three-story structure or anything like that, but yeah um yeah yeah it's i, I liked it I, so i watched this twice oh you did uh yeah once regularly and then again for kind of notes at okay. one and a half speed just so i could wow. re, yeah. reintroduce myself with it and the, the, i like that the, the opening shows you the episodes what's gonna come up kind of vaguely though oh yeah i didn't think about how like the opening uh it had been so long since i had seen this the first time that i forgot that like yeah the opening is showing you the status of all the characters before greg and wirt see them and so you get to see mm -hmm. Be beatrice and her dog they're like sitting by the like the little lake or Little River. I didn't realize until reading the art book, I guess her dog is the dog from the first episode that gets possessed mm -hmm. by the demon that chases everyone around. And I guess the yeah. mill that the woodsman and everyone's hanging out in the beginning, that's supposed to be Beatrice and her family's house, and that's why it's abandoned. Mm. Like, it's not... It's just a little like little background detail. It's not like you need to know that to enjoy the story or anything like that. But there's enough. There's there's connective tissue in this stuff that that I thought was kind of interesting from the art book. Shut up. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's what this podcast is for. That's true. <laughs> the it, whole point is the listening does gab. Um, it's Wirt and his brother Greg. Wirt is played by Elijah Wood. Yeah. I was trying to place the first time through listening to it, and eventually just gave up on trying to figure out who it was at the time. Yeah. You've I seen the Lord of like the Rings, failure right? When I can't recognize a voice. It's funny because I still, I don't even, I, I like Lord of the Rings is fine, but I still parse Elijah Wood as like the kid from Back to the Future too. Like that's a baby's game. <laughs> it's uh, almost like your whole life is based around Back to the Future. It's almost like my whole life is based on everything that happened to me before I was like 17. It's really sad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's the well, bigger welcome problem. To every, Not welcome proud to of it. every dude from age 30 to 45. You know, that's the terrible thing is that like, yeah, my generation was the first generation to grow up so laser targeted. We, we, my generation was the first generation um, encouraged to never grow up. We we grew up mm -hmm. in a world that never that never forced us to put put down our toys, and in fact now every goddamn movie has to be a fucking Star Wars or comic book movie, and we fucked up the world as a result of it. Anyway, shut yep, up. You okay, got Boomer. your nuts and gum together at last. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But it is nice to see someone my age like over the garden wall. They decided to go back to an older influence and yeah, shut up. Yeah. Greg has candy in his pants, but only for one episode. Yeah. Well, you find out later because it's the day after Halloween and blah, 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 yeah. No, it's still Halloween. Well, is it? <sighs> yeah, because uh, this whole thing takes place in their limbo, so... Well, yeah, that's... They that's... wake up, it's still Halloween night. Yeah, I mean, well, that depends, like, yeah, if you, if you want to assume did the story actually happen or is it, was everything just a dream? Um, I yeah. guess people have pointed out that, like, at the very end of the last episode when they're in the hospital and... and... 
How is you know what? Despite me just having watched the show, I still can never remember which brother is which. I'll check. I know what you're talking about. Uh, Greg is the the elephant. Greg is the elephant because I always assume the older kid's gonna be the kid with like the actual name, and Wurt would be like, especially because Wurt's. It sounds like that would be the kid with the frog, but yeah, uh, yeah, Greg. There's the whole thing with Greg and the bell and inside the frog's uh, frog stomach at the end of when they're at the hospital, which suggests that like it's not all just a dream. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. No, you're fine. I'm checking to see if the frog do glow. Cause well, that's what they said, I and I forgot to go to back. Up. Yeah, it's glowing when he's dancing with it. Uh, yeah, so. It's, it's Which, glowing. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, it, I mean, it's all, it's left unconclusive for a reason. It's not like you have to go back and really comb through, like, the specifically find out did it happen or did it not. The whole point is, it's, it is literally more about the journey than it is a destination with this kind of story, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a talking bluebird. Yeah. It, its name is Beatrice, but we don't get to learn that in the first. I'm episode. sorry, a talking hot bluebird. I have a crush on that uh, bluebird, which, fine, fuck it. I grew up wanting to fuck Miss Brisby from Secret of Nim, <laughs> so I could say I want to fuck this bird too. <laughs> Just send me out in the forest, and I'll fuck all the talking animals. <laughs> That's supposed to be funny when you greet it with silence, then it's a portrait of myself this this fucking idiot who's never grown up and just wants to have sex with farm animals. She's naked. If Dad put a vest See, on that's her, true. Well, it would have been okay. You know, I never thought about her being naked the whole time. You just made it that much more attractive to me. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, anyway. It's the woodsman. He's, he's introduced, too. He's going to be a reoccurring. Did you recognize the voice for him? Hell no, I didn't recognize that voice. It's, it's just like every other actor ever made. Really? Hey. What? Bill. <laughs> Why? It is a recognizable voice, <laughs> but he also sounds so old. I know it was dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, because like he does, like he does not sound like Doc Brown. He sounds like uh, he sounds like dead Doc Brown. So I can see why people, someone may not recognize the voice. Um. <laughs> I'm glad to see he's well enough. Speak, you know what? There's one There's one performer later that I... Even watching it again, I would have never... Unless someone had told me who it was, I would have never guessed who yeah. it was. But there's yeah. extenuating circumstances. We'll get to that later. But yeah, yeah, Doc Brown's chopping wood. Telling him to be wary of the old... The old beast! He grinds up Elderwood trees to keep his lantern burning. Uh -huh. And... Uh... Yeah, the Elderwood trees, they produce an oil. They, they can be squeezed. And he uses the oil to light his lamp. There's, we're introduced to Greg's rock, which spouts <laughs> rock facts that are used sparingly. It's one of my favorite, favorite parts of the whole show, and it's not even a plot element or anything like that. In fact, actually, I think it only shows up like three times in the whole series, but yeah. Mm -hmm. like he only says it once. I thought he was going to say it more than once. When uh, At one point, Greg like falls over and he says, Ah, oh, beans. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things at the beginning. Place it's funnier now watching it again and you realize these are supposed to be modern day kids, but they still mm -hmm. talk like they're from like a fucking uh, R gang short <laughs> in parts, especially yeah. especially Greg. Yeah, so it doesn't quite mm -hmm. make sense, but yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. I like that there's well, he goes outside looking for his frog and finds it in a barrel and gets approached by evil wolf they think is the beast he tells it it has beautiful eyes it does. That's, nice. <laughs> that's one of my favorite moments because it's got like it's got these crazy glowing giant bug eyes but I like you have beautiful eyes yeah. mm -hmm. it fucks up the mill that the woodman uses to get his oil and this it's like I'm 
my notes are very vague. So. Oh, these stories are so simple, and again, each story yeah. is only ten minutes long, so you're, you're already you're pretty much hitting every major beat that happens. Yeah. Yep. That evil wolf gets done gonna switch by the water mill water wheel. It spits out a turtle. Yeah. It becomes a dog. It wasn't a beast. It was just a dog. And Woodsman's like, ah, hey, you idiots. That is not a beast. The beast is some serious shit. Go north to the village. Look after that frog. Give it a proper name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, then later and on we find out that this kind of is the beast because we see the beast has the same eyes later. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I give, I'll, I'll give this, uh, miniseries, uh, credit for this one thing at this time. Mm -hmm. I could give credit for a lot of things, but uh, I legitimately thought that that black turtle was going to wind up being the beast because they kind of show it in certain ways and it's it's around yeah. and you're like, oh, I bet, I bet that turtle's the beast. No, it's not. Well, and black just, turtles continue to be a it's thing. It's just a black turtle. Uh, in the art book, they mention that people point out that the, t that the t black turtles seem to be like at least if not like represent if they're not the beast, they seem to be kind of like heralds of the beast. That they tend to show up whenever the beast shows up, and like in the book, I think they just thought it was like just a little weird little detail. But in the book, they're all like, "Oh, we could talk more about that, but we don't want to give our secrets away." And I'm like, judging from everything else about how like uh, slapdash how the story is kind of thrown together, I don't think they had any kind of like deeper symbolism or meaning to that. I think it was just like like they just thought it was a cool little creepy thing. But yeah, because um, even the, like the design of the beast and what the beast was changed so much even like while they were like storyboarding and drawing it like they like yeah it's it's i don't think they had a grand vision for what the beast is and what like his relationship to the turtles were but yeah mm. and then that's the end of that episode originally nice opener <laughs> in the art book they show well originally in the, the idea was that he was supposed to be satan and they specifically called out to be satan but of course cartoon network was like eh, not really cool about the like the actual biblical devil showing up in this so could you just call him the beast the devil and but like one of the original ideas speaking of cuphead though one of the original ideas was that the the the, the beast was just gonna be like this guy in, like red pantyhose with red ears and like like a little nice. red cape with like a 19 12 like stage play devil which i thought that would have been kind of funny not very scary but yeah mm. anyway but yeah that's the other first story Mm-hmm. second story is Ma what's the name of it uh old hard time yeah hard times at the huskin bee yeah which is my this is this is this whole thing this the episode right here encapsulates encapsulates everything i love about over the garden wall just because mm. all the style stuff and blah 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 Greg saves uh, Beatrice, the bluebird from a bush. He owes him a favor, not a wish. <laughs> I love Beatrice. He keeps on trying to drive that home, and Greg's not paying attention. He keeps on assuming that, like, yeah, Beatrice is magic and can grant wishes, and she's like, I can't grant wishes. I just want to do you guys a good turn for saving me. Yeah. Props to the kid that does Greg, because he does, he, do, he dances that very fine line of being a uh, oblivious uh, little kid, but not annoying. He's not put, putting on a fake performance. He's not, like, trying yeah. to be adorable. He's just... That, too. A it almost feels like half of his lines were things like maybe the voice actor was just saying in the booth and wasn't even necessarily written for him. It's it's kind of a natural enough... Yeah, but it's still funny, and yeah. Mm -hmm. They could have fucked up hardcore with that, but yeah. They, they did get a job yeah. dancing around that. They're headed to a town um, on the way there. They step field? on some pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah. 
They step on some pumpkins, and just crush right through them. I guess they're very brittle pumpkins. Yeah, it's... It, why are all these pumpkins in the middle of the road? Especially if you're heading towards a small town. Wait, what are you gonna do? The town of Nilbog. <laughs> and technically, it's, it's Pottsfield, which is supposed to be a reference to the Potter's Field, which is, you know, the unmarked graves of, 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 mm. of vagrants and farmers, and so that's supposed to be your first clue that something's not right about this town. Aside from the fact that it's completely empty, aside from one turkey who seems to be waiting just to be killed for Thanksgiving dinner, I guess. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But it's not empty. There's a party in a barn with creepy pumpkin people. Uh -huh. Or not creepy pumpkin people, depending. They're kind of, you know, I appreciate the pumpkin people are being very chill and very happy and very joyful. They're not like... Well, yeah, they're having a party. Yeah, they're having a party. And I like they're not being threatening towards Greg and Wirt. They're just like, hey, what's up? Uh, except yeah, for the one guy who's... It's a pumpkin carving a pumpkin and Whoa. the way he's got the knife and the way his head rolls towards greg and work when they first come in it is like uh-oh <laughs> this and this is okay yeah this may be not all, all that good well there's also a huge pumpkin man that talks like bing crosby one of history's greatest monsters so it's appropriate <laughs> really? to make him look creepy that you know what this freaked me out too i didn't realize who this was uh mm. do you know who this is who voices enoch the giant pumpkin god guy no. It's Chris Isaac, which that name itself mm. may not mean that much. He's the guy who did the, what was the song in the 80s? The dead are gonna fall in love. He was a, well, he was a musician, Well, dude. with that rendition of it, I know exactly what well, he is. was. He made shitty pop songs, and I would have never expected he would make such a good Bing Crosby pumpkin god, because he's all like, hello there. I have to punish oh, you. You're, yeah. I'm, uh, you're... Bing Crosby, wow! <laughs> the Chamber of Commerce. Well, he has a great voice, and I love like he's this big floating. It's hard to tell if he's actually a pumpkin or if he's like a pumpkin-shaped bag filled with leaves or something. Because mm. he's got like a knot on the top of his head, but he's, he's got like these hay ribbons hanging off of him. And but I yeah. love the way whenever he moves or talks, there's a kind of a quiet rumble, suggesting that like something like he's almost got like a hollow head that something's rumbling around inside of. Mm. Which I guess at the end of the show, during the epilogue, they show there's a black cat that pops out of his head, and the creators were talking mm -hmm. about the idea that like they, they they were thinking that maybe there's a black cat who hangs out with him, who may actually be the real spirit of Enoch, and what we're seeing is is just being puppeteered by the cat somehow. Which again, it's it's underbaked. Whatever they were just kind of thinking about that might be like some kind of twist on the situation, but it doesn't really matter. Enoch's just the, the mayor of this town, and yeah, and he says. Hey, you kids need to be punished for trespassing and bobadoobadoo and bob and murder. No, not murder. So he said this Does is he good. say why he says murder? I think he's just like, I just wanted to keep you on your toes or something. No, yeah. not murder. So a couple hours, manual labor. Just because oh, they've okay, stepped on the it? pumpkins yeah, okay. and invaded sure, the little yeah. private session. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They do some la manual labor and they gotta dig holes. Where Greg finds a skeleton. So maybe they're digging their own graves. Oh no. But oh shit, that skeleton is alive and starts putting on pumpkins. They're all skeletons. And it turns out there's nice people after all. Until Enoch turns around is all like You guys wanna stick around? And they're like, no, we gotta go and like you'll join us someday. And then they walk I away. Say that's evil. That's well, just the it's fact. foreboding. 
<laughs> it's kind of like Jesus. So they dude. will join him someday. Everybody dies someday. Oh man, but like I fucking love the imagery in this episode. Just like uh, just even, even the conversation that uh, Wirt has. There's like a pumpkin girl, and she's the first one who says like she's like, oh, I think you're here. You're joining us a little bit early, aren't you? And Greg doesn't quite. Your, no, Wirt. Wirt's the one who's all like, I, I don't get what you're talking about, and just like. There's like one shot of there's like a pumpkin soldier on a hill with a flag and that's nice and evocative and even with Enoch and all the on all the, the, the pumpkin people coming out to check on the status of Greg and Wirt working in the fields while they've got like little nineteen thirties fucking chain and balls on their legs and like they've yeah. got flags and the whole procession and everything just looks super cool and uh, just even uh, the the fucking the fact that like all the pumpkins uh, are not even necessarily carved like jack o' lanterns but painted uh, when uh, I was a kid, like I said, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and so we, I, my family spent a lot of time going out to, like, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch festivals and maple festivals and apple festivals and stuff like that, and they would have little harvest dolls that were made of pumpkins with, like, painted faces with, like, the red lips and everything just like this, with, like, little, like, corn husk bodies and stuff like that, so when I first saw this, I was like, holy shit! This is something I've never seen referenced outside of, like, old-timey shit. Like, it's such a very specific autumnal kind of thing that I had not thought of since I was, like, ten years old. That, like, I think yeah. that's part of the reason why this is super evocative for me. And and, and even the, the guys who made this, they specifically said that they wanted to, the, 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 the second episode to be as kind of, like, Halloween-y as possible. Even if no, it's not specifically about Halloween, but they want to have as much, like, autumnal pumpkin-y, harvest festival-y imagery as possible, and with the skeletons and the pumpkins and all that stuff like that, and Enoch and the black hats and turkeys and everything like that, this is, yeah, almost like cartoon, like, this episode's almost like a parody of itself, in terms of just how autumnal and homey it is, and the big Bing Crosby voice, how you doing there, everybody? And so, <laughs> I just like it, it's really cool, and even, like, the design of the skeletons, like, they're mm -hmm. kind of drawn super, even even more simply than, like, the old uh, Walt Disney skeleton dance. They look more like the shitty skulls that they would carve onto tombstones in, like, the 18 and 1700s and shit like that. It's just, like, nice attention to detail and... But yeah, there's not, there's barely any story here. <laughs> the only story here is, like, there's, like, five times in a row where... Like, the heroes are lulled into thinking something nice is happening, but it turns out it's kind of threatening. But no, it's actually nice after all. And that's the whole, like, ten minutes of this episode. I'm going to shut up now, because otherwise I'm going to spend the whole rest of the episode just jerking off about pumpkin people. Oh, not the pumpkin people. Right, it's so. bad enough I would want to fuck the bird. I won't fuck no pumpkin people. Uh, Beatrice managed to free them, and Greg and her escaped, but it, it, her debt wasn't paid for freeing them, because they weren't actually in any danger. Yeah, she points that out. She's like, nothing bad was gonna happen here, guys. Yeah, yeah so they're gonna go to Adelaide, the super nice lady of the woods. Who, I guess, yeah, I, I don't think Beatrice never makes the relationship between her and Adelaide clear, just that, like, she knows a witch that can help them out. Yeah. yeah. She knows of a witch, I don't think. Oh, that's she what never she implies says, yeah. that she actually knows her. The next episode is called Schooltown Follies. Cartoon Network, uh, uh, yeah, someone suggested, like, I want you to have an episode about, like, dancing animals, and I guess the creator who, I, we didn't even talk about the creator, was it Patrick McHale, who's the guy who created Over the Garden Wall? I guess he co-created Adventure Time, or was, like, the head, or was, like, the co-creative decision maker on the first couple seasons of Adventure Time, and I guess it was the success of Adventure Time that got, got him enough weight with, uh, 
Cartoon Network, they were like, oh, would you like to do a new thing? And that's how we just said, oh, yeah, I'd like to do Over the Garden Wall. And so that's how we wound up making the series. But uh, I guess he was like, well, that sounds dumb. Because I, one of the things about Over the Garden Wall is the animals, aside from Beatrice, are supposed to act like animals. So it does make a lot of sense to have like a schoolhouse where there might be full of a bunch of dancing, singing animals. And so he was like, well, it could be funny, though, if we make the animals kind of like normal, actual animals that have been forced into people's clothes by the school teacher. That could be kind of funny. And so that's why all the animals in, in, this, in this episode, none of them talk or anything like that. They're all just very kind of uncomfortable, like almost like real world animals, like wearing little hats and stuff. Yeah. Um, although they kind of do play instruments later, so they're not fully, like, yeah, they're, they're, they've been anthropomorphized to some degree, but they're not walking around talking like, you know, Daffy Duck or anything like that. Anyway, no. so. Well, Wirt can't tie his shoes. Wirt, Wirt, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, Beatrice keeps interrupting him, telling him to keep up. He's a big pushover, doing what everybody tells him to do. Oh, that's the speed. big thing of this episode. That's his arc in this it, one. Yeah. yeah. This episode. He keeps on rebelling uh, against every bit of advice Beatrice gives to him. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is Greg runs off on his own, finds a schoolhouse, and he's like, Psh, not today. <laughs> Dude, like, he's like, fuck school. Yeah. But Bert, work goes inside uh, where school is being taught to a bunch of animals by a Kate Beaton character. Oh, it's such a Kate Beaton. Well, Kate Beaton loves those old, like, what's the name of, not the Gilmore girl. But, like, there was, a, like, a, like, a girl, like, she would, like, it was very big in the Victorian area, that kind of illustration of the girl who'd be, like, reading by a window with, like, big long neck and, like, reading a book and big flouncy, like, skirts. It's just Miss Langtree is totally that kind of Victorian, kind of, like, 1910, kind of, like, yeah, lady. But, yeah, cause I, yeah, I, they, they should be, like, they should, Kate Bean should be getting royalties for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's teaching a bunch of animals in there. But like they're animals, like wearing like like little hobo pants and shit like that. They're little rascals. It is little rascals as shit. Yeah. Uh, and he, she tells him to get, take a seat, which he does, cause he's just a pushover. Yeah. He just does what he's told. And then she woes about Jimmy Brown, who's her no good man, who gone down left her. And her father's threatening to close the school, and that what with that wild gorilla running around, <laughs> she a sings weird, a song wait, about it. <laughs> She starts to sing a song about it. And I love that Wirt's like, uh, uh-huh. And then Beatrice is like, uh, this is bad news. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Which is also yeah. pretty much her reaction to, to the pumpkin people in the last episode, too. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Greg is outside. He's doing fine. He's hanging out with other animals who aren't in school. Yeah, really. they're slightly, they're slightly even dressed more like, there's like a raccoon with a hobo hat. There's a, a deer just wearing a shirt. <laughs> and they're all kind of listening to him tell his stories and stuff like that. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um... What's, what the heck are they? There's a cat about? wearing a little hat. There's a pig. I'm just looking. These character designs are great. I love yeah, this Oh, shit. they look for some... They look for old cats for some reason. I can't Oh, yeah, why. two old cats. There's a game that Greg wants to play, yeah. Which, again, yeah, that's that just, that like, so old-timey old. than, like... Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, it's a gorilla. Ah! <laughs> and it kind of looks like... The gorilla kind of looks like the fucking... Uh, Bumble from uh, Red Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He's got these big red lips, and he's just like, Rah! Yeah. Greg rings a bell as a warning, but that just makes the teacher think it's meal time already. Oh, yeah. Her father's going to be visiting today. They all go in to eat, including Greg and his animals, and 
he finds out that the food's kind of bland, so then he's going to sing a song about potatoes and molasses. I love when he goes up to Miss Langtree, because <laughs> Miss Langtree, she's on a uh, player piano. She's, like, playing a little melody while the kids are supposed to be eating. He's like, I need you to play me a song. And she's like, like this? And she's, he's like, no, like this. And he's just gonna, he just bangs his fists on the piano and goes, down, 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 down. And she's like, oh, I get it. And then she does start playing, like, a more jauntier song. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that leads her into the whole potatoes. This is kind of like, this is uh, uh, Greg's big, like, solo number in the whole the series. And it's very cute. But again, this is supposed to be a kid from presumably, like, our real world, but like he's all what little little five year old kid's gonna sing about how great potatoes and molasses are? It's such oh, an old timey so hobo thing, and like it's great because only animals start getting into it, and he's just dumping yeah, molasses. They start, play- they start playing their instruments. Dun, 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 dun. And shit. It's a great song, actually. Even this and the Miss Langtree song about how Jimmy is—that's oh, it's funny because uh, ever since Over the Garden Wall came out, I've spent so much time listening to the soundtrack. That's funny going mm. back to watch the show for the first time since the soundtrack's been buried in my head for the last five years. That I forget that, like, nine-tenths of... I'm sorry, my iPad just said something at me. Uh, I forgot that the, uh... <laughs> nine-tenths of the you songs... You talking about me, Bill? Hey, you talking to me, fucking iPad? You fucking, you don't like to over the god wall? You got a fucking problem with that? Um... You know, so for the soundtrack, they, they've recorded all these songs, but like in the TV show, like uh, Miss Langtree's song about Jimmy Brown abandoning her, she she goes through every letter of the alphabet. It's like a five-minute mm. song. In the TV show, right in this episode, she literally sings like half of the first verse. You hear like literally ten seconds of it. And yeah. I I think Potatoes and Molasses may be one of the one of the few songs you hear in its entirety in this thing but it's all very mm. cute and it's all yeah everyone's singing and dancing and like you know, the animals are like you know like blowing tubas and shit yeah it's some little rascal shit <laughs> her dad her large large father comes in his big coat yeah. upset because the money's not going towards education it's going towards fun he is not paying for that this is totally Shirley get... Temple thing of like everyone's having fun <laughs> and the rich old guy has to show up and be like, who's having fun here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he takes all their instruments and leaves and the animals get sent to bed like little rascals or or like uh, wearing old timey uh, pajamas like in fucking babes in Toyland. Yeah, they've got like the fucking like the, the, the pajama like night dresses on. Oh, and you get to see yeah. you get to see a uh, work without a fucking uh, his hat on too, which is kind of slightly odd. Hmm. He, he takes it off a couple times throughout it. For a while, I thought you were gonna find out that he's got like a bald spot that he's like secretly like forty five years old or something like that. <laughs> nice. So uh, Greg says, "Never give up." So they leave, and they see the dad in the woods lamenting about how he's broke and he's ain't gonna have to sell the instruments for money. Yeah. This is and, the thing that happens quite a bit in this, this, this series where like what seems to be the bad guy turns out to be a pretty cool dude, and he's just upset yeah. because he's just so worried because he wants to keep the school open. He's run out of money. That's yeah. it. He's not a bad all guy. All that, he's just yeah. All, all that no good Jimmy Brown is off gallivanting around. <laughs> not to mention the wild grill on the loose. Well, what could happen? Well, while he's asleep, they steal his instruments and stuff. The next day, when he wakes up, the boys are using those instruments and the animals to raise money for the schoolings. That's a and good idea. The dad tells Wirt to do something, because the gorilla shows up and starts roaring. Uh, he trips over his own laces, knocks the gorilla over, its head pops off, and it's Jimmy Brown in there. And Jimmy Brown is, by... again, like another fucking cape-beaten character, little handlebar mustache, and he's all like, Hello, I wish I could do gorilla costume. 
Mm-hmm. It's what's his butt. Uh, uh, Tom Tom Lennon. Who's Tom Lennon? Tom Lemons, he's he's the guy who who's uh, he was on Reno 911. Mm. Is he Don't like one of the state one. guys? It's one of those guys. I'm sure if I saw his face, I'd be like, oh, it's that guy. Uh, Tom Lennon, he's, was he, he like Adventure Time people or anything like that? Let's see. Uh, I could just Google. He does, guys. He's a voice actor. He's a, yeah, and he's also a fam- famous improver, a comedian. Yeah, I've heard there's there seems to be a lot of people in this that like. Uh, oh, it's the tall guy. He's the handsome guy from uh, the state. Mm. Was he in the state? Man, oh, he is. Oh, yeah, not Brooklyn. No, yeah, not. Oh, yeah, okay. I always confuse the uh, Reno 911 characters with the state versus whatever that you're talking about. He, okay, he's tall, handsome guy. Shut up. Bro. Okay. <laughs> he was stuck in that thing. He joined the circus to get money to marry. What's her butt? Was it's a very unlikely series of events. And that episode ends with the world really is as, as sweet as potatoes and molasses. Which sounds like a nasty combination. Oh, it's so gross. God damn. <laughs> I remember like when I was like a teenager, I finally had my first taste of actual molasses, and I was like, why the fuck would anyone put this in their mouths? Again, if I'd grown up with it, I'm sure it'd be a different thing. I would think it's like as good as Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. But yeah. No. 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 <laughs> no. Even in 1812, I would have had some taste, even if I had no context or didn't know any better. Yeah. They they didn't know any better back God. then. They were like, oh, you know, I, uh, this char- tar I've been chewing on sure is good, but have you tried molasses? Mm-hmm. So, okay, next episode, Songs of the Dark Lantern. Mm-hmm. There's some driver freaking out in a carriage. Oh, the beast is upon me! Because And the boys are in the back hiding in hay, wanting some duck eggs or something. Yeah. I don't know. They go to a creepy tavern to ask for directions. No birds are allowed, so Beatrice gets kicked out. And all these people, they are... They may have names, but they're not. They're the butcher, the baker, the, the midwife... They're known as their job. The whole point of this thing is supposed to be that, like, everyone's defined by their job, and that because mm-hmm. uh, Wurtz doesn't have a job, like, at first they're like, oh, you must be the lover, because he says something about how, like, he's, I think he says something yeah. about Sarah, and so they just assume, like, oh, you're the lover, no, and he gets embarrassed by that. He's, he's at, he asks if he's on it, tells him he's on his way to Adelaide. That's what, oh, that's oh, what it is, girl, okay, yeah. Huh? Oh, and that's a big thing, because they're, st- uh, they're stopping here not only out of the rain, but Beatrice is really hell-bent on the idea that, like, she needs to ask the people in this tavern for directions, because they're utterly lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. They all have jobs, and they introduce them. I'm the highway man. The fucking highway what? man. so weird. I'm the highway man. One of my favorite parts of the whole show, because, like, he only has that. He just, he just interjects with that one bit. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, the animation turns into like a Cab Calloway kind of like fucking. Uh, Old Man of the Mountain from Betty Boo. Yeah, like where he suddenly gets really weirdly smooth. And I don't even know if it's uh, uh, rotoscoped, but it's just drawn so weirdly because he's like, he's getting his face in the camera and his limbs are pivoting in like crazy perspective and. Yeah, I mean, they intentionally did say that, like, like, they wanted to make it, like, how sometimes an old-timey cartoon, suddenly shit would get really weird because something so... Like, like, Cab Calloway in a Betty Boop cartoon. And that's... Yeah. And I guess the original idea for this whole episode was supposed to be... The reason it's called the Old Dark Lantern was... There was supposed to be the insinuation that these are all people who are, are already stuck in the Beast's Lantern. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been already dead for, like like, 200 years or something like that, and... 
also the whole thing of, yeah, highlighting the fact that Wirt is not defined, like, he's a modern person, so he's not defined by his job, he's not just the, he's not just the patissier or the highwayman, he's just a kid, and so he feels kind of like, you know, out of place with all these people who sing and dance about their, like, you know, one-note jobs and stuff like that, and it's, it's, like, none of that really kind of made it into the final episode, but... Uh, it's just an excuse for a lot of singing and dancing. Again, the Taylor, the Taylor starts singing the song about uh, the, all the little boys on their wedding day, which is also just a fucking great song. Well, which is yeah, great. Also- it, it, that song, just the, this this TV show and that song, just happened to hit just as a pair of my friends got married. Like, mm. like they literally had their wedding during the week the show came out. Like that, like their wedding happened on the same day that this episode came out. So this song was very specific. I was thinking about the song when I was at their wedding. Uh, I, whenever I think about this episode, I think about that. It's all very sweet. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Yeah. I, it, so Beatrice is hanging outside with a horse in a stable, and she's like, "Are you wearing lipstick?" But nothing <laughs> comes of that. No. That's, uh, it feels like a cut bit or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that even before she realizes he can talk? Yeah. Okay. Because she doesn't yeah. find out till the very end of the episode. Okay. And, and then Wirt asks for directions to Adelaide, so maybe he's the young lover, and the tailor sings a song about okay, that. Okay, that's what it is, yeah. Beatrice flies out into the woods to check out what the woodsman's doing out there, because she sees his light. And Wirt is going to sing a song, kind of. He doesn't do a very good job. <laughs> yeah. And this is where he states that his mom married another guy and gave birth to his brother, so they're half-brothers. Yeah, weird character thing that gets dropped here, but never really gets developed, but does kind of color in he and Wirt's, uh, he and Greg's relationship. Yeah, yeah. and they de- so they decide he's a pilgrim. No, it's making a trek. He is kind of dressed like one. It totally makes sense. He, he mentions the beat, the beast, which makes the tavern singer sing a Betty Boop song about the beast. Yeah. And I guess part of the reason why the, 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 the tavern maiden is Betty Boop is when originally this is supposed to be a much more dark and more fucked up story with like insinuating all these characters are dead. Like they wanted to make it uh, the 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 waitress Betty Boop just kind of add some like l- levity and humor to the episode, but when all that ghost stuff got thrown out, they just still thought the idea of Betty Boop turning into a tavern maiden was kind of funny, so they kept that in. So yeah, mm. that's why she's still such a weird face though, and she's still like, "Oh, I'm gonna take your orders." Yeah. yeah. And uh, she does. Tell them that whoever carries the lantern must be the beast, because then I'd make the woodsman's beast. Ooh. Uh, but before they can get directions to Adelaide, they hear Beatrice treat scream. So Wirt jumps on the horse, lipstick horse, and rides off and goes to the woodsman's, who's in front of a, a, a weird tree with faces on it. Yeah. It's uh, the, uh, what is it? Why the word just fall out of my head? The type of tree it is. Adelwood tree. Yeah, Adelwood tree. Yeah. I was gonna try. I was gonna say Adele tree, but that's a different type. That's of tree. a tree that sings beautiful that's, James Bond songs. That's one that says hello to you. I still have never heard that song. I keep on people referencing that for years now, but yeah, I guess Adelwood trees. I don't know if that's a real thing, but in this show, the red trees that bleed oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beatrice is knocked out on the ground behind them, which makes it look like the woodsman has knocked her out and is like about yeah. to kill her or something like that. So Greg and Work freak out. Mm-hmm. They blow out a lantern and save her and ride off, calling the woodsman the beast, knocking over his lanterns, catching shit on fire. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I guess presumably the giant's uh, tree that he's standing in front of that has, like, faces carved into it, presumably that's, like, a previous victim of yeah. the beast, and they've just, like, retained their face that's grown into it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
And right away, she's like, Beatrice is like, oh, I just saw a scary shadow and flew into a tree. Cool. And then, don't worry, they know where they're going because they got directions from Fred. He's the horse. He talks. That's it yeah, right there. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. That's a great reveal. Hey. And the, the, in the woods, the beast is now there, and he tells the woodsman to keep uh, that lantern lit, or his daughter Slane will go out for Ebel. And then they, they go, he goes to follow those children. Yeah. The beast sounds like they really wanted to get, um, uh, 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 oh, what the, oh, his name just fell in my head. I'm having a bad memory day today. Yeah. Uh, uh, the guy from They Live. They Live? Oh, Keith David. Yeah, Keith David. Yeah. Because he's got Sounded that, like, like to timber David, to the voice. Not quite. Uh, well, also, it is funny, though, because, like, the, the, the Beast does sing opera. And so but the, so the guy who's actually voicing him is also the guy who sings his opera bits later. So he uh, does, does actually a pretty good job as a voice actor, but, yeah, I kind of wonder if they had access to Keith David. I know they said the one person they tried to get for this they couldn't get actually get was Tom Waits, which totally fucking makes sense. Um, Tom Waits could have voiced like half the characters in the fucking show, but um, and then it would have been unlistenable. It would have been perfect. You shut your fucking face! I kill you! I kill you! Yeah, if they hey kids, you wanna go Presumably, I would assume he would have voiced like uh, Adele or something, Adelaide, because that's a character where suddenly John Cleese shows up for two bits, and you're like, why is he yeah. voicing two characters? I could see and that would have been funny, cause like. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been in keeping with men voicing female characters in the show, just like, uh... What's, who's Adelaide's sister? The Whisper... Whisper... Anti-Whispers. Anti-Whispers, yeah. Actually, Tom Waits yeah. and Tim Curry voicing sister witches. <laughs> that would have been fucking perfect, but... Uh, yeah, yeah speaking of John Cleese... Oh, I, there's one more note. Uh, the, one of the characters in the, um... In the Dark Lantern is a toy maker, and he's the one who really presses, uh... Uh, Wert about not having an identity and mm. you get to see later that like one of the epilogue images is of Toymaker having just made toys of, of Wirt and Craig and Beatrice uh, which is a nice little I guess they've now developed yeah. an identity at least in the eyes of the people of the tavern even though you know they, they would have never seen what these characters would have turned out to be right shut up Bill yeah Dr. Weir's mystery will be continued shortly. Say, by the way, Doctor, is mystery your sole pleasure? Young man, what could be more pleasant than mystery? Well, music, for instance. That music, that... why, of course. Have you ever heard my clanking of chains? Uh, Doctor, I'm afraid you've got me wrong. I mean the kind of music men hum or whistle when they feel on top of the world. And gentlemen, one of the many things that give you that tip-top feeling is the pleasure of being well-dressed. Perfect taste is a criterion, and in hats, there's nothing smarter than an atom. From stem to stern, your atom hat gives off that look of quality. You see quality in the carefully molded shape, and in the richness of the genuine all-fur felt, and in the subtle color shade. Next time you pass an atom hat store or authorized dealer, stop in and try on an atom. Once you see and wear an atom hat, you'll agree that today, as before... Adam is one of America's outstanding hat values. Now, the uh, good Dr. Weird. Somewhere lost in the clouded annals of history lies a place that few have seen. A mysterious place called the unknown. 
where long-forgotten stories are revealed to those who travel through the wood. On one particularly dark night, beneath an overturned half-moon, two brothers accidentally wandered deep into the fog of this strange world. Their names were Wirt and Gregory. As the boys began to realize just how lost they were, they suddenly heard the sound of a cleaving axe echoing through the otherwise silent forest. Greg! Greg! Welcome to the unknown, boys. You're more lost than you realize. The woodsman, who seemed to know every inch of the forest, pointed the brothers in the right direction. Soon they were back on the path towards home. But the trail seemed to go on and on. We should have found a town by now. This is the way the woodsman told us to go, right? Before Greg could answer, they heard a small voice calling to them for help from inside a bush. Help me! I'm stuck! Help me out of here and I'll owe you a favor. The voice belonged to a talking bluebird named Beatrice. Though Wirt was hesitant, Gregory thought it was a good idea to let the bird free. Upon her release, Beatrice was very grateful and promised to guide the brothers to Adelaide of the Pasture. She could help you get home, Beatrice explained. Soon it began to rain, and that night even Beatrice was lost. Let's go to this creepy tavern and ask for some directions. I was wondering if you knew the way, uh, I mean, I, I'm, her name is Adelaide. Try as he might, Wirt could not get a word in edgewise. It seemed as if getting directions was quite a hopeless task until, as luck would have it, they met a horse named Fred. Like Beatrice, Fred the horse had been forced to stay outside in the rain. Nice to horse your acquaintance, he said, letting them ride on his back. Wirt, Greg, and Beatrice merely climbed aboard the ferry and went on towards Adelaide's cottage. As the sun went down, they reminisced about the fun adventures they had shared. And although they would miss each other very much, they knew that they'd never forget all the wonderful memories. Or would they? Wild root cream, wild jolly. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, jolly. It's made with pseudo-alanolin. You better get wild root cream, wild jolly. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all those gals away, high up only. Get a bottle right away. Your drug is hazardous. A little goes a long, long way. You hear it screaming. Keeps you looking neat all day. Fine. In the next episode, it's Mad Love. Speaking of John Cleese. One of the, probably one of the weaker episodes. <sighs> yeah, and it's kind of the middle of the series, too, so it gets a little... Yeah. This is like, based uh, off of the creator's thought, dream. He had a dream where he was in a mansion that turned out it was connected to a differently styled mansion. And so you can mm. kind of tell, like, yeah, there's not a really strong story thrust here. It's more just John Cleese freaking out for ten minutes. Yeah, and like most of the other episodes have multiple characters that they interact with, but this just has really John Cleese. They throw the horse in there a little bit, who I I do enjoy because they're like, hey, yeah. he's a talking horse. He can do whatever he wants. And he's like, I want to steal. <laughs> That is the talking horse. I wonder if they made the horse talk just because they realized they needed to spice up this episode a little bit. Because without the talking horse, there is nothing to this episode. 
I mean, it's it's like it's nicely designed mansion backgrounds that they drew, but yeah, it's not it's not an interesting mystery. Even like the like we don't even get to see how they show up here. They like the episode starts in media res. They're already hanging out with the was it Quincy Endicott, the tea, the the tea baron. Yeah, they're trying to rift him to get two cents <laughs> for the what, fairy. Yeah, I I they're trying to get money, and I think it's Beatrice who says, "Okay, we we need two cents," and like it's like we only need two cents. Okay, which yeah. another clue that like he's from the modern age, because like to him two cents ain't shit, but I guess to everyone else that's actually a decent amount of money. But yeah, yeah, and um, they were their uncle, quote unquote. Uh, uh, talks about how, and he's very sweaty. <laughs> he's sweating all the all time. All the time. Talks about how uh, he's scared now because he saw a ghost. He walked to another room, saw a beautiful portrait of a lady or something, and it was, it was, it was, there's a ghost. But he's also worried because maybe there is no ghost, and he's just going crazy. Which is kind of sad. He's almost like developing early onset uh, Alzheimer's or something like that. Because he is worried about that he may just be getting old and losing his mind, which... That's even more horrifying prospect back in the day before you could even get, like, actually diagnosed by that shit. And he's explaining all this to to Greg. He seems to have really yeah, kind of adopted Greg as his, like, makeshift grandson, whereas, like, Wurtz and, and Beatrice and the horse are off in their own little universe for most of the episode. Well, no, the horse is with Greg and the... Oh, no, but, you know, well, but still, but in terms of, like, the who's, who's talking to who and stuff. Yeah, yeah. well... Uh, Beatrice and... Um... I fucking love that horse when he says, I want to steal. <laughs> yeah. That may be the funniest one, 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 one joke in the... One line in the whole uh, series, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, then again, Basically, rock facts uh, are pretty good, too. You find out... Burgle your turts! Was... Oh my god, I don't want to... Because I'm likely to forget later. May, burgle your turts is probably my favorite one line in the whole series. But mm. shut up, Bill, go ahead. Beatrice has been uh, locked in a closet... That they're trying to hide in because a peacock scared him. And she reveals that she used to be human, but she threw a rock at a, a bluebird and it cursed her and her whole family into bluebirds. Yeah. And Wirt doesn't have any really big secrets. He's got a crush and he reads poetry out loud to himself at night or something. And Beatrice says, that's not really weird. And she's like, well, the poetry thing's a little weird, but <laughs> yeah. yeah it's... And it turns out that lady wasn't a ghost. It was... they both just own tea companies and their mansions are so huge that they enveloped each other which even that okay. that the, even in the dream logic that the over the garden world works in that doesn't make a lot of sense but no. yeah but so yeah. boys get a, a penny each and uh the horse gets a real job as a tea horse oh yeah and then as, as they leave greg throws the penny into a pond because that uncle was wrong about him he got no sense. No sense at all. <laughs> I love weird all little right. moments like that where Greg just gets really serious and grimdark about shit for no reason. Yeah, God. Well, I guess it's a pun because sense and sense, you know, blah, blah. And like, yeah. Oh, I did not get it. I hate your face. <laughs> oh, I'm like, sense. well, there's like a catfish in the, in the, in the fucking in the well that eats the money and you see there's like five tons of gold at the bottom of the well but that never mm. that's like the last episode image of the episode um oh god there's something that happens. Frog uh, i do like when mm. Wurtz he's he kind of figures out something's up when he's like oh this 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 is all french rococo while uh endicott's mansion is uh, english edwardian it doesn't make any sense georgian that's what it is 
And oh, I wouldn't want to mistake one for the other. I do. Well, it's funny that he's that fussy about stuff like that. I guess later on, when you see his bedroom later, he's got a couple books about interior design and stuff. So I guess that's kind of is a legitimately a passion of his. But it's just kind of a funny, weird. Yeah. Somebody pops out of a, a closet, pushes him, and calls him a nerd. Yeah. I do like the reveal <laughs> of th- probably the most interesting thing that happens in this episode is the reveal that yeah, Beatrice used to be human and she got cursed, which kind of makes it sad because like I think it was uh, in the previous episodes. Uh, uh, Greg has asked her about, like, do you like to eat waffles? And she's like, no, I can't eat waffles. I eat maggots. And she's kind of embarrassed by the fact that, you know, because she's a bluebird, she has to eat maggots. And watching that a second time, knowing that she's human, I'm like, oh, that's more sad and fucked up because, yeah, I guess I never thought about it. If you get turned into a bird, you'd have to develop, like, the bird's diet and stuff like that, too. And, yeah, yeah. it's a little, like, I, I feel a little bad for Beatrice, but, you know. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, that's Lullaby in Frogland. They're on the ferry like now. Ass episode. Yeah, it's nothing but frogs and outfits. <laughs> and Beatrice is starting to act strangely about them going to Adelaide. Somebody in one of the books, they were like, they were like, people ask us, why did you have a whole episode about frogs and outfits? And they're like, it's not our fault. If you go back and look at old-timey shit like that we were drawing from, there's just a r- lot of weird fucking frog shit. And so we're like, I guess mm-hmm. we should do an episode that's just, that's just about, all, like, we have to do something with all this frog shit, shit we keep on finding. And so, yeah. yeah. Yep, and uh, uh, George Washington's naked. Oh no, that's the name of the frog in this episode. Now it is, yeah. Keeps changing, and they get chased by frog police because they snuck on the boat and they disguise themselves as a giant frog. And, yeah, they've ta- they've uh, taken uh, uh, Wurt's cloak and kind of throw it over. They're doing the th- like the fucking little rascals, three kids standing on each other's shoulders. They are stacked up and pretending to be. Well, old. yeah, except uh, uh, Greg isn't. He's not with that. He's disguised as a drum. Oh, drum that's me. what it is, yeah. yeah. And his eyes are sticking out of the drum? <laughs> they gotta join the band. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think it was... And Greg says, drum me! <laughs> drum me in the face! He's really into that. Mm-hmm. They knock one of the frogs off the boat. It was a bassoon player. They got no bassoon player. This upsets all the frogs, so now Rick has to play it. And then George Washington sings a song. But like this, it takes Beatrice like five minutes to convince. It's like it's it's like it's like a it's like a quarter of the running time of the episode. Beatrice trying to convince Wirt just play the fucking bassoon. Like mm. Wirt's like, I don't have the embouchure to play. I play clarinet, but I don't play bassoon. And she's like, fucking play. We're gonna die here. And mm-hmm. yeah, it turns out George. Well, she's trying to get them kicked off the boat, so she's trying to blow their. Power. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out, like fucking uh, George Washington, he sings the theme song of the the series. He sings the mm-hmm. Over Garden Garden Wall thing, which you realize, oh, I guess well, it was George Washington playing the piano at the beginning of every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is another. Away. The song on the soundtrack goes on forever, but you only get to hear like like half a verse in this, but. Mm, yeah. Their disguise falls away, but all the frogs love the bassoon playing so much they get to stay on the boat. Yeah. Until they get to shore and all the frogs just go and climb in the mud to hibernate. Uh, one mm. little detail. Uh, I guess the uh the boats is supposed to be the idea that it's supposed to be just a giant tin boat. And so if you look at all the corners and stuff on the boat, you'll see how it's actually just tin plates slotted together, like an old mm. like old timey like 18th century toy. Uh, or like almost like a paper paper uh, boat. You see like the like folds in the tin slash paper that's supposed to be made out of, and how it's all slotted together and stuff like that. Which I didn't yeah until looking at the art book and like really paying attention to the details. Let's go like, oh, yeah okay I could see how this is supposed to be like a little constructed, like yeah it's not actually supposed to be like a full size boat which I thought was kind of an interesting little detail. Anyway yeah 
But they all get the short. Anyhow. Yep, and uh, Greg goes to jump in the mud, because they all go see Adelaide tomorrow. It's still a ways off. Oh, all the frogs, they, they came here, they, they're going to hibernate for the winter in the mud, so all the clothes, all yeah. the frogs take their clothes off, and... Oh, but then fucking George Washington gets a record contract real quick, and they're putting socks on him? In mm -hmm. one shot? It's like, what the hell's going on? It's really weird, and like, Wurtz, or Greg's looking at him going like, oh my god. Yeah, is uh... Uh, his work tells uh, Beatrice about what happened with his crush and fucking Jason Thunderburger. Yeah. And the boys go to sleep. Beatrice flies off, but then they wake up and they chase her. And she goes to Adelaide's house, who is also John Cleese. And yeah, weird. Out, she's, yeah. She's evil. She wants a child servant, which Beatrice was gonna bring her so she can use some skizzers to snip her family's wings away to turn them back into humans. Some very nicely designed scissors. They're shaped like a bird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She doesn't want to do that anymore, but whoopsie doodles, Craig and Wirt get there, and they come inside. And then she's the Adelaide straps them all up with ropes, little, like, uh... Yarn. Uh, yarn, yeah. yeah. And But Beatrice opens a window, which makes Adelaide melt because the fresh air doesn't do her any good favors. Yeah. I always escape without her in the in the dust. Yeah, things kind of operating on dreamland slash like almost like Miyazaki movie like logic of like I guess yeah, fresh air suddenly melts the witch for no reason. So yeah. how did she ever exist outside of this house? I guess she never did. But, yeah, yeah, and George Washington returns. I guess his record deal didn't go that great. No, it or turns he, out the royalty like situation wasn't working in his favor. Yeah. Man, that fucking scene though when they fucking get busted on the boat and George Washington covers his privates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's legitimately funny. That's not even cute. I like fucking made me laugh out loud watching it the second time. Mm. Holy shit! Um, the episode, the ringing of the bell. Oh god. Oh, this is uh fucking shit happens. Yeah. Yeah, shit happens. Boys are looking for a place to get out of the rain. They run into the woodsman again, who chops down a tree to stop them. He tells them, "Keep their spirits up. Don't give up. Avoid the bees." The wart kicks the lantern and runs off with Craig. The beast tells woodmans, "We should talk." Boys find a small cabin, go inside, get out of the rain. Their basket's full of turtles. And a frail girl, who they try to convince they weren't going to burgle her turts. Yeah, the girl's pretty much just work, but with, like, paler skin and, like, a dress. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, she coughs now and then. <laughs> and they gotta hide before Annie Whisper shows up. Uh-oh, they hide in the turtle basket as Annie Whisper comes in. And it's... Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, I like even watching it a second yeah, time. Yeah, he's still getting work. <laughs> uh, I guess this is his first role he had after his uh, his big stroke, which is why a good job. Which is why he doesn't even sound like Tim Curry, even pretending not to be Tim Curry. But it's it's yeah. still, I mean, it's good work though. I mean, it's still Tim Curry yeah, does. He does great. a really good job. Tim Curry yeah. after a stroke is still a better voice actor than I could be on my fucking best day of my life. Oh yeah, you know it. Woo! Unless you wanted me to voice like Jigglypuff or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Yep, so, um, they hide in the turtle basket, and she's like, No one showed up today? Hmm? I smell stuff that no one's gonna get devoured? But where are they hiding? The ringing of the bell commands you to tell me. And she pulls out a little bell and ring it in her eye. The, uh, what is her name? Lana? Laura? Something Lorna, like that? I think, yeah. Lorna. I think it's supposed to be like a Lorna Dune she, reference. She's like, I had an in-doubt basket with the turds. 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 <laughs> Turts? Turts, yeah. Turts. Again with the black turts, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
And she's like, oh, there ain't nobody in this basket. You just meant to say that these turtles stink to high hell. Mmm, yummy, yummy. She eats she a turtle. They smell so ripe. Yeah. Yep. No evil secrets? Alright, I go go to sleep. Clean that floor till it shines. The bell compels you. She rings it. Boys come out. And Greg chases uh, the frog around. And Wirt helps the girl clean because if they do it together, they'll get done twice as fast. Yeah. Do, do, do. Is there a little song that plays? Yeah, they sing a song together. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but Greg accidentally chases his frog upstairs and wakes up Auntie Whispers, and they all hide in the closet together, all three of them. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you need to come out, or you're going to get devoured. Her evil going to come out. Oh, shit. It was the girl what will evil and will devour them. She all spooky, sinister, dark, dark. She chases them out of the house? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. They, they run, but the frog ate the bell, so they can ring the frog. And Ritz says, hey, you stupid spirit, get out of that girl. Stop making land do bad stuff. Go, also, go away forever. Yeah. And that works. That's all hey, it Annie takes. Whispers, I don't know why, why didn't you try that? Yeah, I don't know why Auntie Whispers didn't do this a billion years ago, because it turns out Auntie Whispers is actually very legitimately cool. Although you can yeah. assume that maybe Auntie Whispers, she wanted Lorna to be dependent on her because she's t sad well, and lonely, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, now that you don't need me no more, you're going to go away. And she, oh, yeah. But she is you. genuinely glad that Lorna's better, but she is all sad about herself because she is, yeah, okay, yeah. And she's like, hey, hey, boys, don't care to my sister Adelaide. She's evil as shit. <laughs> and like, Funny you should mention that. like, hmm, Yeah, hmm. okay. And also, he's losing hope. He's starting to get depressed about this whole getting out of the woods thing. And the beast is like, yay. <laughs> Good. Don't lose Good. hope, assholes. Mm-hmm. The next episode is Babes in the Woods, I'm assuming is a reference to Babes in Toyland. Yeah, probably, yeah. Although, I'm sure there's stories or cartoon called Babes in the Woods, too, but yeah. Could be. And there's a frog in a boat fishing. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Guess it's over the garden wash. It's got to happen, yeah. Yeah, the boys are in their own little makeshift boat floating around. I just realized it's not a boat, actually. Technically, it's an outhouse. I'm watching it now. Mm. I didn't realize until now, yeah. It's got, like, the moon-shaped door. Or the do you know, door yeah. with the moon in it, yeah. Ward is losing hope. He's sad. He doesn't think they're going to get ever get home again. Oh, this and is the put... fucking episode where, like, nothing happens. It's just random weird shit. Which, I mean, that's yeah. again, that's over regarding the wall in well, a nutshell. Well, I but, think like, a lot yeah. of things do happen. Well, in the last it, two it, seconds. They just have fun getting there. Yeah. They get to land, and he he's like, I don't want to be in charge anymore. Greg, you're in charge now. Figure it out on your own. Whatever. Yeah, fucking sulky motherfucker. So Greg says, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dream up a good way to get home. So he wishes on a star for a way to get home and goes to sleep. And then he dreams of floating heads. I'm guessing a, a uh, reference to Night of the Hunter. Yeah, the that is specifically, that. yeah, in the art book they reference that, yeah. Mm-hmm. A donkey takes him to Cloud City, where things are old-timey cartoons all over the place. It's all very, like, yeah, fucking uh, Homer Simpson falling asleep, going to slumberland-looking shit. Mm-hmm. He's like, I gotta learn how to lead, so he can lead them in a, the band in a song, and he does, but that happens, and he sings, and old-timey shit happens, and he accidentally opens the north wind gate that's keeping the north wind away, and it comes rolling in, and the real world, it starts to snow, and... Greg fights the North Wind in a house and puts him in a bottle called Old Windbag. I do like how so abrupt that that him beating yeah, the fucking North Wind is though. Yeah, 
You know, and then he meets the queen of the clouds who can grant him any wish, and he's like, I won't get sent home. And But she's like, cool. And he's like, okay, I'll tell my brother. But his brother, word is just too lost. The Adelwood grows around him. And Greg's fate lies solely in the beast's hands. Or Wirt's fate lies, lies solely in the beast's hands now. So he knows what he's got to wish for, and he whispers it to her because the audience doesn't get to know. And then he... He, in the real um, awake world, he tells Wirt he's got to go and joins the beast who will show him the way home. And Wirt wakes up and is all panicked, searches for his brother, falls in Frozen Lake, is blurry, and is saved by Beatrice and the fish who was fishing at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Then that ends. What do you think it's, about all the old-timey a, cartoon stuff? Yeah, it's hard to describe all that, because what are you going to say? A bunch of heads rolled around and smiled and danced. Yeah, it is just a bunch of... You know, I, I, it's it's not necessarily this episode's fault, but I think stuff like Cuphead has done that kind of like vintage throwback animation style better. Um, I mean, it helps that Cuphead... Well, no, this, this... Cuphead is trying very hard to exactly be what that is. Yeah. Well, that's what and I'm like saying. like I said earlier, this, this feels like how you remember that stuff being... Yeah. Not exactly the quality it was. Yeah, I mean they're not gonna go through the thing like Cuphead did, where there's all like weird, just like all the like weird analog film effects of, and all that stuff. And... A lot of this show feels like uh, uh, how the silent um, patchwork girl of all Oz, Oz we watched is trying to be, yeah. but done right. Yeah. I mean they did do stuff where like like they skewed the colors to kind of look like the old three strip. Uh, like teal yeah. and maroon, like cinecolor uh, coloring it's... style from like the like the very early yeah. car- color cartoons, and so they did it's do stuff. Episode. You know, it's, and all the character designs are kind of like mm-hmm. 1930s-esque. But yeah, it's 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 not quite as spot on as I remembered it being, but it's still pretty cool and it's really it's cute. Yeah. John 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 enjoyed it. He watched that episode. Oh yeah, oh well, that's cute. I'm glad to yeah. see nothing too traumatic happen that episode to Scarm or anything like no. that. You know? No, no. And then the next episode's Into the Unknown, and it's current-ish day. Dun, dun, dun. Do, do, they, do they say in the art book if it is current day or if it's supposed to be like the 80s? Or uh, I was curious to check that out, too, because the first time I watched this, I was like, is this supposed to be the 1980s, or is Dwart just like the world's all-time champion hipster? And yeah. in the art book... He's got a tape... He's got a, ta- a cassette tape, but also Sarah says, I don't have it. That's the weird thing, song. because if you're a teenager in the 1980s, which I was, you you have a tape player. Even if you have a CD, yeah. even if you're rich enough to have an early CD player, you're going to have a tape deck. But I guess maybe Sarah's, maybe hers busted, or maybe she her family's Amish or something like that. But yeah, no, it's it's supposed to be the 1980s. Like even in, uh, mm. when uh, Wart steps out of his house, the, the, the Christmas uh, Halloween decorations are all the old plastic and die cut paper uh, Halloween mm. decorations from the 1980s and just every, like even all the cars are they're all big chunky sedans and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. Um, Wirt makes a co- uh, tape for Sarah it's got his uh, his poems on it oh no I guess it's clarinet music yeah yeah he made a costume for himself out of like a Santa's hat and a gnome cape oh yeah you get to see yeah I guess te- like uh, it's supposed to be like a civil war nurse's cape I guess yeah, which mm. I don't know. Well, because like, he pulls out of the box, and there's like a Civil War hat with it too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And uh, he goes to he's gonna give that tape to B Sarah, who's performing at a football game. She's in the mascot costume. It's B. And uh, it's Halloween time. It's uh, well, it's Halloween. Yeah. 
and Greg is there wearing his little his little we hadn't I haven't described what the characters look like really but I feel like <laughs> should have watched this because yeah. it's it's good but uh, he's got a upside down uh, tea kettle on his head that's his costume well he's supposed he's to be an, an elephant. elephant yeah that's yeah that's well it's it's I, I forgot how when this first aired uh, these episodes aired over the course of a week so you couldn't quite binge the whole thing until you know unless you waited until the whole series had aired and so it was actually a twist to find out that these kids were actually from the modern day just because you know, yeah when the show first starts out they're all dressed weird and old-timey so you just assume that's where they're from which again that kind of like makes less sense that why uh, half of Greg's dialogue is old-timey oh beans kind of dialogue but it's mm. it, but it's it turns out they're just dressed like that because they were just in goofy oh. Halloween costumes and hey if I could get John to say all beans when something happens <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm saying bad. yeah you've succeeded as yeah. a father I don't know what mm-hmm. fucking magical Santa hat fucking wart has that stands straight up because like even they the stiffest Santa hat doesn't act like a gnome paper hat but yeah yeah oh uh, but yeah so but yeah the the, the teenagers that us uh, or who well, are Sarah's friends are hate are like laughing at well, they're, they're they're enjoying uh well yeah uh, Greg Greg's wants costume. to Greg wants to take a look at that tape that uh work made for Sarah so oh, like, yeah. I'll take it to her he runs into some girls I guess they get it from him and they make fun of Wirt for having a crush on Sarah, but he better move fast because Jason Thunderburger's gonna take her to a party. It should be pointed out, none of these teenagers are actually cruel. They're just being, they're just, no. they seem like they would be friends with Wirt if Wirt could just stop being a fucking moron. And that seems yeah. to be the whole point of this flashback is like, nothing that Wirt's been so upset about this whole series about is actually worth anything being that upset about. He's a fucking idiot. He's totally stuck inside his own head. Yeah. Yep. So Greg and Wirt run off, but they never got the tape back, so they're going to have to put the frog hunt on hold to get it. But aw shit, uh, the girls put it in Sarah's jacket, which is hanging outside a shack. She's changing it, but Wirt and uh, uh, Greg get spooked when uh, some jock is like, You trying to peep on Sarah? She gets on her bike and rides off. Yeah. I like Sarah's little skeleton fun. costume that she's got on. You never see Sarah yeah. without it, but... No, a cop is having fun with kids who are just like robbers being like, Hey, you guys robbing banks? Ah, I'm just kidding. Happy Halloween. Yeah. A little bit of hocus yep. pocus there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they follow Sarah to a party where Greg goes in, and then Wirt has to follow, and they're all just like, Hey, Wirt, what's up? Welcome. Yeah, it's cool. You weren't invited, but welcome. I do Actually, like... he probably was invited and just I know, know, exactly, yeah. Yep. So he happens to bump into Sarah, who's going with some other kids to drink age-appropriate drinks and hang out at the graveyard. They make a real meal out of the fact that, like, no, we're going to drink age-appropriate stuff, right? Yeah, no, don't yeah. worry. It's going to totally be age-appropriate. And later on, you um, do, like, when they're drinking the graveyard, they're drinking, like, I can't tell if it's, like, supposed to be milk or, like, uh, uh, orange juice, but, like, they're drinking from mm. cartons. So, I mean, I guess they could have put some vodka in there. It could be, like, just a big thing of screwdrivers, but what do you do? Oh, man. Thunderburger. No. He's a super loser. <laughs> Sarah, what's going on? It's totally so George McFly Wes Anderson motherfucker. This is a character straight out of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> it really is. I guess it's supposed to be a parody of the creator of the show, Patrick McHale, mm. which I do appreciate him saying, oh yeah, if actually if any character is in the show is me, it's, it's fucking Jason Thunderburger. Yeah. So, uh... Wirt almost gets the tape out of her jacket again, but she comes back and gets it from 
Yeah, and they had the graveyard. Thunderburger is a big loser being like, why are you scared of ghosts? There's one right there. Crispin Glover oh, sorry, should sue. I didn't mean to scare you. Yeah, Jason Thunderburger stealing Crispin Glover's shtick wholesale here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you get to see... So, yeah, Wart and Greg follow them into the cemetery where they're going to go hang out drinking at. And mm -hmm. uh, Greg and Wart are hiding behind a pair of tombstones, one of which belongs to Quincy Endicott. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, which either is, is that either like suggests that when they go into the unknown, they're time traveling, or is like the only like is Quincy Endicott only become a thing inside their heads because they saw the name Quincy Endicott while they were in the cemetery? So one of the the one episode about Quincy Endicott was just inspired by them having mm. been near this this tombstone. Who knows? But yeah, who knows? I don't know. So um. The boys follow him into the graveyard, hear a frog, they watch the kids from a distance. Thunderburger tries to hold Sarah's hand, but she's like, you can stop doing that now. She does not like what he's selling. He's a Greg clammy creeper. Who wants to hold his hand? Yeah. Greg distracts them by being a spooky ghost. And then he's like, hey, Wart's right over there. And they're, they're like, hey, come on over, hang out. But hey, what's going on here? Says the cop who just rolls up into the cemetery. Yeah. Some sort of witches gathering? Ah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're all under arrest. Happy Halloween. Just kidding. <laughs> they all scatter. Greg and Wart climb a wall as the cop's like, hey, you should get down from there. It's dangerous. Come on. Come on, guys. Seriously, come on. And they see Sarah pull the tape out of her jacket and find it and... Ward thinks his life is over, and they climb over the wall and find a frog. And Ward tells Greg he ruined everything, oh, his life's over. But oh, shit, a train! It almost hits them, but they roll down a hill into some water, getting knocked out in the pond, all blacked out. Oh, no. Ward wakes up, surrounded by birds. Beatrice's family, who feeds him some dirt, because birds are well known for eating dirt. I guess if you're trying to get the worms in the dirt, I guess, yeah. Uh, Beatrice's mom played by Shirley Jones, which I only care about. Uh, she was in the Partridge family, but more importantly, she was the main female love interest in The Music Man, which that's mm. always thumbs up for me, so. She mm. is Mary and the Librarian. Mm. No, well, not now, but she's a bird now, yeah. but. Somebody, somebody plopped Wirt outside their home, and he realizes it was Beatrice, and also a frog is there, so. He's gonna grab that frog and go find his brother. And she's like, hey, be careful. You're not no good to your brother dead. And he said, I was no good to him alive either. Aww. Oh, you feels. Boy, and he, he goes like, off wanders of off into the snow like says, the yeah. fucking wannabe Byronic hero he, he wishes he was. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah. I, what'd you think of the flashback reveal of the origins of the characters? It's fine. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've, I've kind of gotten to the point. It's that in, in media where shit like that, I, I, it doesn't surprise me more as it makes me think, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, again, watching this uh, uh, piecemeal as the episodes were airing, that was a little more of a surprise and a twist. Um, yeah. It, it's interesting reading the, the, the art of book. I guess that was made under the idea that was supposed to be the pilot episode. That was supposed to be the first episode. And they decided mm. it would be more interesting if you only find out like later on where the kids came from and and stuff yeah. like that, which kind of reverse, kind of makes, like, some of the talk about Jason Funderburger, like, that much funnier, because the way, like, Warp builds it up into his head, like, to be much more dramatic than it actually is, but yeah. Yeah. It's the unknown. Beatrice finds Greg as she's flying around in a snowstorm. He's working through the beast now, but she can't get to him because she gets blown away by a strong gust of wind. Yeah. He brought him the first two items on a list, a golden comb of honey 
and some spider's web. Now he just has to get, put the sun into a cup. Yeah, there's some devil deal by... shit that we're just seeing the tail end of here, yeah. Yeah. Which he does by putting on the stump so the sun can set into it. <laughs> the... SMRT! I do love the P. The beast is just like, oh, you figured it out. You're pretty smart. Yeah. So, yes, he just has to sit there and wait. Yes, sit in the cold and wait. <laughs> <laughs> Where it comes across Beatrice. They team up because she saw Greg over that away. Woodsman's looking for Adelwood to keep his uh, the light of his daughter and his lantern shining. I can't remember if that was established earlier. Or I not. think at the tail end of like the episode before last, uh, that's the beast shows mm. up and says, "You don't want the daughter's light to go out in that lamp, do you?" Which yeah, the spirits uh, in there. The, or what's revealed in, in this episode? It's like, it turns out like his daughter's alive, and so why did he think his daughter's soul was inside the lantern? I'm not quite sure what the backstories there are supposed to be, but. Yeah. yeah. Again, like Daughter, you're not supposed to worry about the details. Did some fucked up shit. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is a weird tone poem, he, not something you're supposed to pick apart the details of. Yeah. Yeah. He finds some scraps and hears the beast singing in the woods and follows it. Finds the beast and the beast is like, "I look what I got from you, some more Adelwood, and it's Greg. He's turning into Adelwood." Oh which no! Sets the woodsman. He didn't know. He didn't know where the trees came from. Yeah. And even the, the beast, beast is like, like, you knew what was going on, and then... Yeah, he's like, my daughter wouldn't want this all. And he yells to hold you, and the, the beast mentions his daughter, he says, hold his tongue or I'll remove it from your mouth. Oh, shit. And he, the beast mentions his daughter again, so they fight into the woods. Uh, leaving the lantern there. Eh, uh, Wirt and Beatrice find the lantern, as well as Greg, who's coughing up leaves, and she's like, oh no, the leaves are inside of him. But he's like, nah, I was just eating leaves. <laughs> turned that eldritch horror into such a dumb little kid joke. That's, that's yeah. one of the things I appreciate about the show, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's all his fault. He stole the Roxfac rock. It was He's a stealer. A Roxfac stealer. <laughs> I and love Roxfac. And Leo, he holds it up and does the Roxfac thing one last that's time. Roxfac. And yeah. he's all fucked up and, yeah. I appreciate yep. this show's even did at the, at the end, they were willing to undercut the drama of the thing happening just for a fun joke. Yeah. Yeah. Greg tells Wart he can put it, or Wart tells Greg he can put the rock back himself. Uh, once they get home, and uh, the frog's name is now Jason Thunderburger, and he's like, "That's good name." And pass out. Oh no! Beast comes back with passed out woodman. And the beast says, "Hey, you know, yeah, I could put uh, that kid's Greg's spirit in the lantern, and you could be the new lantern bearer." And Wart's like, "Oh." Okay. No, wait. That's dumb. I Why would do I do love that? he just says, that's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God, yeah. And the beast is like, hey, I'm just trying to help you. And he's like, you're not trying to help. You just, you're, you're only trying to help yourself. It's almost like your spirit is in the lantern. And the beast has a bad poker face and is like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And he's like, oh, what, what, what are you talking about? I didn't say anything about like, oh, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I'm surprised he just doesn't like point out into the distance like, oh look, it's Superman and run away or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Beast is like, are you ready to see true darkness? And Ward is like, <laughs> are you? And it gets ready to blow it out, but the Beast is like, hey, hold on, wait a second now, yeah. come on, girl, hold up. Ward gives the lantern back to the woodsman and is like, I got my own problems to deal with. This is yours. I do like and, it. It uh, turns into like, yeah, it, 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 Wart does. It, this is no longer Wart's problem, and he's just gonna go rescue Greg. And like, it's it's the Woodman who gets to uh, finally usurp and, and do away with the beast, yeah. which is a nice touch. Yeah, and he gra Wart grabs uh, Greg and walks off with Beatrice, and 
the woodsman realizing his daughter's spirit was never in the lantern from the beginning. Work gives the scissors to, to Beatrice to clip the family's wings, turn back into birds this whole time he's had them. As the beast tells the woodsman, hey, go, go cut them down. Come on, what are you doing? And he flashes the light over the beast for a couple of frames. Yeah, for and one moment you get to see that the beast is like made up of like all these he's essentially like one of the other world trees with the faces that we saw at the beginning of the series but just like mm -hmm. just shaped like the beast but like he's got all these kind of freddy krueger faces all like the the scully faces on his body and stuff like that yeah show it just brief enough to make it pretty fucked up yeah uh but if you look at this screen cap of that exact moment it's, it's not that know, but just the flash of it makes no. it more interesting yeah. Yeah. and I, I do like the yeah the woodsman blows out the lamp and i like the idea the darkness is in the end, darkness is actually not necessarily an evil thing, and it's actually darkness is what does away with the, the beast. So that's kind. Of, mm -hmm. It's nice to see something where darkness is an ultimate evil. Like it's yeah. yeah so I mean, it's, it's, you're not supposed to be thinking think about it much more than that. But yeah, that's the end of that yeah. story. Well, uh, Wart and Beatrice say goodbye, and then Wart wakes up in the water and pulls his brother out back in the present day. Yeah. And then he passes out, wakes up to Sarah's spooky face in the hospital. <laughs> Still got her makeup on, yeah. Yeah, and Greg's there too. All uh, his hair's all combed, nice and shiny, and uh, he's yeah. telling stories with his frog named Jason, Jason Thunderburger. And as he makes him dance, his belly glows. And Sarah says she doesn't have a tape player, so they can listen to it at his house, or maybe some other tapes first. <laughs> oh shit! Oh <laughs> uh, no! Don't start with that one. And so the story is completed, and everyone was satisfied with the ending. And yet, over the garden wall, and then the song sings, and we see the woodsman's daughter is fine, and they're happy together again. The fish is fishing, Annie Whispers is hanging with Laura, and everybody's happy. I like the show the frogs are still sleeping in the mud, which I love. That's nice. Yeah. And Beatrice's family is all good, and her mom's like, eat your dirt. And she's like, Mom, it's not called dirt. And her mom's like, what are we going to do? Change the birds again? Eat your dirt. <laughs> she pulls a gun. Cocks yeah. it. <laughs> the frog sings, and it ends with the rock fact rock being put back with his right. That's a nice... I actually like that being the last image of the show. Just kind of like... Yeah, just showing that Greg and Wart's their lives are continuing. He got to put the rock back, and that's it. Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah, it's... um. I feel like it's it's good. Um, yeah. It's very good. Uh, but I feel like it's like two episodes too long to watch repeatedly. Yeah. If you get my drift. Like it's if it was uh, like 20, 20 minutes shorter, it's something you could just put on and watch. But I feel like it's a it feels like it, it really isn't because I watch I spent way too much time watching too many dumb YouTube videos, but it feels like more of a time investment than it really is. Even though you could skip... Well, especially you when you tell much, someone it's like 10 episodes long, you're like, holy shit. You could pretty much skip the episode, the T episode where in the, they're in the mansion. You could pretty much skip that yeah. one. Which and is, even you know, the frog Adelaide... I mean, you, you, well, you could skip really like half the episode. Like even, I love the, uh, the pumpkin town episode so much, but even then, you, that's just tone. You could just get rid of that. Yeah. Well, the, I, I mean, mean the whole show is in a tone. Yeah. You could actually just not watch Over the Garden Wall and not miss anything in life. Yeah, just don't watch it. Just don't watch it. But yeah, if they had, if it had gotten cut down to either just a lengthy TV special or just like a short movie, like I could see it would be easier just to recommend to somebody just to throw on a random whim. But yeah, it's a little too much of a rambling tale just to, for, for casual viewing on a whim just to watch it every year. But um, I'm glad 
that you didn't hate it or anything like too. that. As no, much as I I've been always been talking about good. this thing. I mean, uh, Cartoon Network does good shit. Yeah, the, uh, the Cartoon Network, man. The last, that's all the st- not everything that's I been mean, produced the, the, in the, the last. No. I mean, obviously their best work is with Uncle Grandpa. Uncle Grandpa and Clarence, two of the best cartoons ever. Uncle, fucking Uncle... I still love the Steven Universe <laughs> fandom losing their shit when they found out that all the uh, Cartoon Network cartoons were going to do crossovers, and that fucking Steven Universe got stuck doing a crossover with Uncle Grandpa. The whole fandom yeah. was so like, oh my god, what are you doing to us? Awful. Oh my god, Pizza show. Steve. I actually seen a couple episodes of it. It's not that bad, but it ain't good either. No, you're, do, do you remember <laughs> one of my favorite jokes you ever said? What's that? About Uncle Grandpa. You said I watched a couple episodes of Uncle Grandpa uh, when I was in town for my dad's funeral, and it was the saddest thing <laughs> oh that entire God, weekend. That. It was pretty. You know what? In conjunction, coming home from my dad's funeral and clicking on the TV, and that was what was on. It was just like <laughs> life was just fucking with me at that point <laughs> but just in a vacuum though you know i'd rather watch yeah. uncle grandpa than get like you know my hands nailed to a coffee table or something which again that's damning oh, yeah. with faint praise but oh my god <laughs> but you know cartoon network like they've been putting out lots of crazy cartoons like fucking i have have you watched much to you, you what am i saying you're the one who sent me a clip from a uh, gumball last week uh, the Amazing yeah. Adventures. Of, what is it? Oh, what's the actual technique? Amazing World of Gumball. The Amazing World of Gumball. That's that show. And if it's even if Cartoon Network was was just airing that, Cartoon Network would be a godsend to, to humanity. But yeah, no, Cartoon Network. I, I'm glad that they decided to, especially this just being a mini series. How many cartoon mini series have you ever seen? It's interesting that yeah. this was not just a one-off TV special, special or TV movie, but just like yeah, like the fact that I don't I, again. This may kind of point to maybe Over the Garden World maybe not doing that well because, like, I don't think they've done any miniseries since then. So maybe this is just a one-off experience that was just like, oh, well, it'll be an experiment, but we're not going to try to do a million of these. And I guess it was popular enough to justify there's, like, Over the Garden Wall comics and stuff, too. And I guess Mondo put out, uh, like, a big vinyl uh, soundtrack uh, album. And they put out... <laughs> they actually They actually issued... They, they, they cr- had the uh, the Wurtz tape that he made for Sarah. They actually were selling that for a mm. little while. And it's actually supposed to be nice. like 20 minutes of clarinet music and poetry. and Ugh. Yeah. Well, now you can add the bassoon to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can go back and do it's the, the awesome volume mix uh, number two for Sarah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's over the garden wall. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, I don't know why you listen to this, but Jesus. you should watch <laughs> the it. world's worst commentary. Um, yeah, yeah get the, that's us. Uh, the, yeah, if you got want to check up on any making of over the garden wall stuff, there's yeah the art book which is gorgeously designed, and uh, there's there's actually Tome of the Unknown, which is the actual original pilot episode, uh, which is what they used to uh, sell the series to Cartoon Network. It's that's on YouTube too. It's just like a ten minute episode of. Not all the voices are the same. I don't know if it's the same kid doing Greg. I'm assuming not because he mm. was probably already grown out of the role in time for this, the actual series. But it's Greg and Wurtz. Uh, they end up stealing a cucumber car from a vegetable man. And mm-hmm. the animation isn't quite the same as it is in the, the actual the, the actual series. But that's that's kind of a cute thing. Go check up on that. That's on YouTube. And yeah, I'm glad this is it's it's a cool little style, little style experiment that I'm glad exists. And yeah. 
I'm glad we got the chance to talk about it, especially this time of year, because we are on the over-the-garden-wall time of year, uh, mm -hmm. in the middle of November, and so... Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I love so fall. that's over-the-garden-wall. I love over-the-garden-wall. Yeah, garden stuff. I love pumpkins. Yeah. I love... Uh -huh. I love leaves. Shut up, Bill. Uh -huh. What are we doing next? Next time, you mentioned that you had seen a part of it, uh, last week or the week before. You mentioned that it had been on... On TV, I think, or something, uh -oh. you came across it, and you were like, oh, that was actually, you know, it was more refined than I thought it was, so we're going to do duck soup. <gasps> oh, no, we're just going to jump, 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 I think we're gonna you're going to say the Peanuts movie. No, we're going to do duck soup. We'll do duck soup. Are we skipping over anything by jumping soup. straight to duck soup? Probably. Okay. <laughs> but we might as well. Okay, yeah, we're not so, because what At we- At the rate we're going. Yeah. I mean, we could, I mean, we've been doing this for, what, five years now, we could have squeezed in more Marx Brothers, because what we did- Coconuts and what else? Uh, coconuts and monkey business. Yeah, that's the boat the first one? two. Yeah. Neither of them were great, but duck soup seemed to be actually pretty cute from what I saw. So. Yeah. And duck soup. That's good. the that yeah that that's the political one where they're they're the leaders of not met I want to call it Metroidvania. Yeah, it's Metroidvania. <laughs> we gotta send more. Fredonia. We gotta send. We gotta it's, it's Fredonia. We gotta hail hail Fredonia. We gotta save more save rooms over there and yeah. Mm -hmm. Fredonia, that's what it is, yeah. I guess this yep. is the apex of all Marx Brothers stuff, so... I guess we're obligated to, like, if we're ever gonna do a Chaplin's uh, thing again, I guess we'll have to go jump straight to... What's the biggest Chaplin thing that he ever did? Like, was it, was it the... the, the... No, we did Modern, no, modern Times? It's all boring. It's all fucking boring. <laughs> fucking garbage. But boring. Duck Soup, okay. Garbage. I'm down with some Duck Soup. Oh, which yeah, is funny, because this we're so close to Thanksgiving! Which a lot of people eat turkey soup. Shut up, Bill. <laughs> so that was over the garden wall. <laughs> Next time it's gonna be duck soup with some good Marx Brothers. Yeah, hopefully um, good Marx Brothers. Yeah, I think it is. He's muttering on Twitter. I'm the Grub Turtle on Twitter. Turtle Podcast on Twitter. Turtle Podcast .com. All that stinky stag is stupid. Yeah, I got nothing else, Bill. You got anything else? No, that's a rock fact. No, yeah, I that's should wait you for you to say something, and I, and I should have said, that's a rock fact. Mm, okay, well, until next time, keep filling your holes with pop culture. That's a rock, no, that's a rock suggestion, <laughs> not a rock fact. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, well, we are terrible at this. Yeah, you think after, like, five years and hundreds <laughs> no, of episodes. No, you were supposed to say that's a rock fact. <laughs> These are all rock facts. <laughs> oh, we are worse at this than I thought we were. Oh! You're supposed to say that's a rock fact. <laughs> yes, and. Okay, okay. That's oh, a rock fact. Okay, well. We are yeah, getting so worse as a rock fact. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Rock so astonishment at Bill's own inability <laughs> to do things right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I never took improv. I got kicked out of Second City. I'm terrible at this kind of thing. No, That's why no. I couldn't remember who's the guy from the state that. Uh, Reno 911 that. He did the voice of the fucking Jimmy. That's why I didn't know his name, because I didn't get to stick around long enough the Reno 911 crew to know who that guy was, so. Yeah. Shut up, Bill. Yeah. Alright, well, so long, everybody. I love you. <laughs> okay, goodbye. When the briar is strangling the rose back down. The briar is strangling the rose
sail with me, far out into the long rolling waves, where we can drift out together between the pitch black seas and the glittering skies, each folding us slowly into each, toward, towards the light and away from life, knowing neither up nor down. Come sail with me and gaze upon the moon and stars until we know not if we are gazing or dreaming as the great and gentle sea breathes us rising and falling into the unseeable night. Come sail with me, gazed upon by the moon and the small curious stars. Are they also blinking heavily, tired and wondering if our sea is their sea and our boat their boat? Do they comfort each other with the sound of waves or words lapping softly beside their growing faces? Come sail with me. Listen to the shimmering thoughts of one small star, of one wandering star, falling slowly towards the light, away from the light, knowing neither up nor down, whose boat is maybe our boat, sea, our sea, who maybe sleeps our sleep beneath the same, <clears throat> beneath the same blazing moon. This one's called Far Away. Far away in the far reaches of our souls and in the garden of thought where we often forget we could remember again. One day, I went to the river's edge and dipped my head inside. I felt so alive and I was free. I could see all the fishes shining bright and watch the weeds bob and weave beneath specks of light. I was night, and I could see the moonshine coming down from above. Boy, I think I'm in love when you are by my side. Do not hide. Show your feelings in your open hands. In the morning, we can dance if we only take the chance, and we could fly away. Translucent, inspired by William Carlos Williams. You are initials drawn on a fogged window one reckless morning, looking out upon one color wrapped around 
another in a translucent world that appreciates the opaque. as poetry upon a spasm of a glance no meaning in it unless you could see me writing this but there it is love life and God for these are what make words and heavens cracked like smiles like father's nostalgic voice like the first kiss of a verse and that chill wind left your skin tingling a cowlick and me paused awkwardly. Moments. Rushing past. Their determination spinning me gently away. shoes uh, to stand by you or two shoes for these 
walking blues. I have three words for you. Three words that I just can't use. These words, they, they just won't do. I have four limbs to climb. Four limbs to climb so high to reach the moon in your great sky. I have five fingers, five fingers to grasp your love. No, five fingers to hold your, that's not very good. End of side A.
wakefulness. Assaulted by an undesired morning, face full of sleep. Lights on, life up. The world continues. We are thrust, unprepared, back into the day. Shadowed, stubbled, stumbling from the sheets. Bare toes on the wood floor, daring summer to catch up with us. drifting off the wing of a bird in flight. I would beg the wind to send me as close to you as it could. Then you could pick me up from the soil and put me in a hat that you would wear while you danced under the moonlight. two cliffs. The heart is a bitter bulb, bearing brackished barbed blossoms, kneaded, knotted roots and gnarled shoots. The heart is a boorish beast, blunt, bludgeon, beating, beating away time, filling my faltering blood with fear. Fear, oh foul fields of fear that stretch trillions of treacherous miles ending abruptly at the colossal cliffs of yes and no. Here I stand, facing this field, shoots and stalks of bitter bulbs, brimming with beasts, bellowing over the pounding of me. I could have crossed my foot, clawing towards time as it pounded past, making a break for the shade of certainty. But I, I chose the river, the long and languorous serpent, slithering away toward the endless Black Sea. A dilapidated boat upon this wistful river, I float besides the shores of fear. And in the water's gentle rocking, my harried heart grows quiet. The banks edge closer. And the trees rise and tighten in the dimming twilight. In this pulsing silence, I hear your voice. Hey, my dear. What? what are you doing? Great. Get out of here. 
my dear. Your voice whispers through the leaves like a summer breeze, and my heart, though fettered in the tangled fields of fear, now whispers back a hushed harmony of lilting leaves and rippling deeds. Please, my dear, though I loll along your fearsome fringes, send me some light, a moon, a guide, that I may steer myself from the clumsy cobbles gashing, obscured along the riverside. If by chance I reach the sea and drift not off course or capsize, my cruel decree of an indifferent wind, if my foolhardy voyage brings me nigh the two towering cliffs where fate decides by violent sea or tranquil cove, which song the wind shall sing of love? That dove born yes or no of shattered boats and requiems. Oh, please, my dear, if you see me there, tossing, turning down below, give me your hand, or at least cast an eye that I might see just one last time your merciful gaze before I'm dashed to rubble and swept away. This is an original clarinet composition titled Opus 6 in G minor with a G major interlude. is about bananas. Bananas, bananas, all year round. Bananas, bananas, underground. We don't know where they come from. If they're not yellow, we won't eat one. Bananas, bananas, on some trees. Can I have a fresh banana, please? And here is a more scary one. A little bear sat on a chair. Knock, knock, knock. Who is there? Asked the bear. But no one was there. The little bear combed his hair upon the stairs. Knock, knock, knock. The bear was scared. Who was there? Asked the bear, but no one was there. A little bear was well prepared to ensnare whoever dared to come there. Knock, knock, knock. The bear just stared somewhere out there, and still no one was there. No one was there to scare the bear, and yet the bear was very scared. Ooh, were you scared? Okay, that's all the poems I have today. Goodbye.
And with this, I bring it to a close. Underneath the fading moon, that little star is leaving soon. She's shimmering in and out of view underneath the fading moon. Are we not longing for the sight of seeing flowers bloom at night from this gray and sleepy life that surrounds us? How we stayed awake tonight to watch the gently shifting light to watch the stars retire to sleep, now in this faded glow between. The night that lingers still beyond this graying windowsill, who now blanketed in mist, is curling up beyond the hills. And one last star is faintly blinking in her cloudy, dawn-lit dream, as the fading moon leans sleepily towards the darker side of things. In downy light, she no longer shimmers, and our great star shall waken soon. And will that little star remember how we saw her off to bed together underneath the fading moon? Good night, sir.